0: All right, so we are in the series, and the reason we're in the series is we're looking at the signs that Jesus performed and that John wrote down, because there's an understanding that we need to reclaim the majesty of God, not that God's majesty has disappeared like God can disappear, no, but God's majesty in our lives, I think, has kind of just waned a little bit, has disappeared in that sense, and we need to reclaim that. Because when we understand, and I I fully believe when we view God in his majesty and we view him where he sits and and what he does, um, that's going to change the way in which we view every aspect of of our lives. Uh, We were talking this morning um, in the elders meeting and even in uh, Sunday school about how our lives are to be transformed. And and our lives are are transformed not, and hear hear me when I say this, our lives are transformed not for our sole purpose. Our lives are transformed so other people can see what has taken place. I don't think that there's any greater witness and there's not any greater advertisement than looking at a life that's been transformed by God. And I, the story in which we're going to look at today, we're going to look at, at, at a story um, in John chapter 9. If you want to turn there, you can. Um, and, and in John chapter 9, I, as I was reading through the story, I, I, I picked up, and on a couple of weeks ago I told you this, but I, I picked up on, on this idea of God's transcendence. Now I know last week I confused you with two words that sounded a, a little bit alike, um, eminence and imminence, um, and, and I think that that, that we need to kind of um, just rem- not only remember those but but keep that that imminence, the I M M word, not the E M, the imminence, the nearness of God. Uh, um, close to us, no, no pun intended, but close to us and when, we, when we talk about the transcendence of God, because as we talk about the transcendence, and I'm going to hit on it briefly, and then I want you to keep this, this thought of transcendence as we go through this story, um, and, and the transcendence of God, it means to exist above and independent from, all right? So above and independent from, that, what, what this is important to, to understand, or what is important to understand? is God is not in the trees. God's not in creation. That's called pantheism and panentheism. No, no, no. God is transcendent. He is above all creation. Now, why do I stress that? Well, as we're going to see that because God is above all of creation, what we have to be able to to accept and really uh, press into is the fact that he has a plan and a purpose for his creation. So, as we're thinking about this today, and as we're going to look at John chapter nine, think about God being a um, God being separated from us because He is separated. He is holy. He is righteous. He is separated from us, but he has plan and purpose, and his actions are, are uh, for lack of better words, played out in his creation so we can understand who he is and we can view him and, and, and it, to show us that we have purpose, that, that, that God just didn't make you and just say, oh, okay, you're on your own. No, that God has a, a specific plan and a specific purpose for each one of us. And sometimes, though, as we're going to see here in a second, that that plan and that purpose is not what we think it should be. But it's not about what we think, but it's, it's understanding that he's the one that sits up high and exalted. He sits on the throne. He is separated from time, and he sees the beginning from the end and everything in between. So his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. But being that, that he is sitting high and exalted, being that he does have control, that's where we can take, um, uh, uh, or have peace and take comfort in knowing that he's got this. I mean, I got a shirt at home and I've seen some of you guys that have had that, you know, God's got this. He's, and too often what we try to do, is like we try to hold on to something. But what we need to do is let go because God's got it. So let's look at this story and as we go through the, the, this 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 uh, passage we're going to go through the whole book, or the whole the whole book right the whole chapter of of John chapter 9 41 verses here but but don't get Man, don't like. Oh, we can't do all that as a huge undertaking. Um, y'all watch movies. I know you do. So, and you can. And some of you have watched Pulp Fiction when we were in high school and stuff like that. And you can follow along with that. So this is gonna be no trouble at all. Because I am not Quentin Tarantino. It's not that convoluted. We're gonna go step-by-step step through this, but what we're going to do is we're going to look at six scenes that happen in this story, and, and, and I wanted to term it like that because if we look at this whole story and we try to, to uh, eat the whole elephant at once, we can kind of get overwhelmed, but when we break it up into these little, these little pieces, I, I think it, it kind of it flows better for us, because we are, um, a, 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 we're simple, right? Uh, I think Dan said it the, the best this morning is like, we're a picture people, really not a word people. And he's not just saying our church, he's like saying society now. And everybody would be like, wait a second, that's insulting. Whatever, a picture says a thousand words, right? You, you, you all go through and the, the, the and i'm going to pin this on Dan, so if you didn't like this, it's his idea um no but, but it's like you you face you go through Facebook and he like he was saying like if you see someone put a post that is a big long drawn out paragraph, you read the first line and then you just skip over it but if somebody puts a picture of a little puppy dog in one liner, you're loving it right no don't don't laugh or anything because you incriminate yourself um but it, it, it's it's the truth. So what I want to do is I want to try to paint this picture for you today, uh, because if we're going to see uh, what needs to be seen, again, no pun intended. But if we're if we're going to see what needs to be seen here, uh, we've got to uh, be uh, receptive to uh, what God is doing and how He's communicating his, his His word. So, with no further ado, let's let's do this. Uh, this first chunk is going to be uh, verses one through seven. So. Um, as we look at this, um, just re- remember God's transcendence because especially in this first part, it, 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 it helps us to understand that God has a plan and he's separated and he's, he, he's got everything under control and he does things for a reason. It says, uh, as he passed by, so this is Jesus, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. This is important that we understand he's blind from birth because he's going to set up this whole story. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So right off the bat, what we have here is we have this blind man who is there. And it says, from birth, he was born blind. Now, the thought process behind this, we can see the Jewish mindset here, is that someone had to sin for this to happen. Their thought was, okay, well, either he sinned Or his parents sinned, because that's why he was he was born blind. Like there's something that had to take place for this outcome. And I think that it is a travesty when people say that all ailments, and I think we talked about this maybe a little bit last week or week before, that all ailments are a direct result of someone sinning. Like you have someone who would have cancer because they committed a sin in their life or someone who has back trouble because they committed a sin. Now, remember, we did look at the sign that says sometimes you do stupid things, right? And that's you make bad decisions. And because you were drinking and driving and wrapped your your car around a a telephone pole, that's why you have back trouble. Yes, that is a cause of a sin. But here it's clear that, and Jesus is going to explain this, that this man, he didn't do anything. And Jesus is going to go to the extent that his parents didn't even do anything. There's a greater purpose why this man was born blind. And, and, and I, the reason I love this, this story is because I think that, that, if, that there's a lot of us that are impacted with, with people who have uh, different types of, of, of handicaps or uh, different types of disabilities or something. And, and sometimes what we don't see is we don't see the, the, the plan and the work of God in the individuals. Maybe it's not a handicap that, that is really uh, prevalent. Maybe it's like my son just is driving me nuts because he's got that... I don't know, ADHD or whatever, you know, he bounces off the wall and and I got to be able to see that God made him that way for a reason. And I think it's because Shannon prayed for patience and that's why, but anywho, I'm not holding it against you, babe. But, um, but sometimes what we do is we, we fail to see how God works through those who are closest to us. And I think this is a story about how, how that, that, uh, Jesus is going to say that, you know what, it, it's neither of them. And he says this very, here in verse 3. Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So Jesus, he, 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 he puts it to rest really quick. He's like, wait, wait, no, no, no. It's not that this man sinned. And it's not that his parents, his parents sinned. The reason he was born blind so the works of God may be displayed in him. Now, that sounds, if we are thinking and we have our little pocket God, well, God's a loving God, and he would never cause something like that. What we have to remember is God is transcendent, and he sees the beginning from the end. And in his infinite wisdom, and I, I stress the infinite wisdom part, because I don't care how smart you are, how many degrees in which you have, or how much time you spend on the internet, or how whatever you can do, you're not as smart, I'm not, we're not as smart as God. And and what we have to understand is God in his infinite wisdom saw that this was an opportunity, a perfect opportunity to display his work. I'll be the first one to admit it. I can't wrap my head around that sometimes. Like, how, how can a blind person really, I mean, how, because it says that he was a, a man, he's, he's of age, he's probably in his early 20s here, going 20 some years without sight. How can, I mean, God, how could you let that happen? Well, God, Jesus makes it very clear that this is why that this happened. And he goes on to say that we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And and all that he is saying here is we've got to work while we can because there's going to be a time when we can't. What do you mean there's going to be a time when we can't? Once once Christ splits the the, the sky open and comes back on a cloud, big tattoo on his his leg, sword coming out of his mouth, not Brad Pitt, fluffy hair, Jesus, right? But manly Jesus, when, when, when he comes back, after that, there's not going to be a time like we get to heaven like, oops, you know, yeah, I guess you are real. No, that we have work to do now and God's work need to, needs to be displayed now and that's what Jesus is saying here. He goes on to say, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. We're going we're gonna to touch on that on a few, uh, in a few weeks when we go into the I Am series about him being the light of the world. In verse 6, this, this, is, this is cool and cruel. Maybe all at the same time, I don't know. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Okay? Right? Hakalubi? Right? All right. But he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva. It's fun. It is funny. Come on, Right? Then he anointed the man's, and I love it, he anointed the man's eyes. What that means is he rubbed mud in his face. How many of you, when you were kids, when you rubbed mud in somebody's face, got in trouble? <laughs> Jesus did it! I'm just trying to be like Jesus here, right? Maybe some of you are like, oh, I can't believe that, that. Whatever. Quit being so judgmental. I just picture, like, Jesus would not be uh, allowed into the hospital to uh to pray for someone right right, right? like like is there, if, if so there'd be someone that is following him around with one of those hand sanitizer things <laughs> or can cantalysol right <laughs> what are we gonna do with that I, I'm sorry, maybe it's my simple mind. I think that this is, this is funny. But I, I, I want to paint this picture here for you because um, th- this is important to the whole story. It says that he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now, uh, did Jesus, and, and, and this is my question when I, when I read this, did Jesus have to make this spectacle? no okay so if he didn't have to do it why did he do it i I think that there is a little bit of reality and a little bit of fun in here i think jesus had the best sense of humor right i know it doesn't say in there hey peter pull my finger or anything like that i I get it But in a righteous way, he gets to rub mud in someone's face. And I love reading of the commentaries on this. I love it because what happens is you get these really heady guys that, that, that think, well, you know that then making mud and rubbing in his face is, is symbolic of man created from dust. And he was saying that he was, in, no, Jesus was just having a good time. He was saying, okay, no, I can do things how I want to do things. And the way in which I choose to do things right now is I'm gonna rub mud in this dude's face. And then I'm gonna tell him, to go wash it off. Could he have snapped his fingers or breathed on him or just done the, the I dream of Genie no, wiggle his nose, whatever? Who remembers that? Bewitched, Bewitched. sorry. But I, well, it was one of those old shows, right? He could have, but he said, and he did, he, he, he rubbed the mud. And he said, go wash it off now. Maybe not a little snicker in his voice, but there was, there was some. And I asked, well, why did he do that? Well, yeah, there's probably some, some comedic relief. I, I don't know. We, we just read that um, uh, the, the, the Pharisees were, were on him and uh, about being, uh, he, he, Jesus saying that, you know, I, was, I seen Abraham, Abraham seen, seen me. So maybe he was trying to lighten the mood a little bit. I don't know. But what we can know is he, he did this and then he told the blind man, Now go wash. What's the importance of that? Well, as we look at this, he gave him a clear direction. He gave him a a command. He gave him an opportunity to be obedient. What what do you mean? What's what's, what's the big deal? Well, he rubbed the mud and he said, go wash. And it said that that (laughs) it wasn't until he went and washed the mud off his face, out of his eyes, that he saw what's the big deal? I think, though, that what we need to do is we need to look at this. He had a problem. And God stepped into that problem. And he didn't solve that problem right there. He gave him something to do. He gave him the opportunity to exercise some faith, some trust. And I, as I look at this, I think that, okay, well, what, what, how this comes out in, in our lives is there's a lot of times there's a situation that is presented. And what we want God to do is just take it away or make it clear. Make me see. But what God does is he says, here, here's a little bit of mud in your face. Now go (laughs) wash it off. There's a step in between where we have to take responsibility here. If he didn't go wash this mud off his face, would he have been healed? We will never know, but I would, I, I would speculate to say no. It's kind of like in the Old Testament, I think it's Nahum. that it says that, it, that when he, he has leprosy and, and, and he uh, is told to go and by, by the prophet, go and, 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 and bathe yourself in the, the uh, Jordan River. Uh, he's like I ain't going to do it. That's muddy and nasty in there. Well, then his servant's like, well, you really should do it. I mean, you tried everything else. And finally he gives in and he does it. I think that this would be kind of the same thing. as like if, he, if this guy here, which we'd never, we don't even know his name, this guy here, if he wouldn't have wiped the mud off his face, if he would have just went around like, I went to Jesus for help, but all he did is just threw mud in my face. Well, he would be, continue to be blind. Again, don't raise your hand, but answer this question for yourself. Like, How many times have you presented something to God that only God can fix? and he rubs a little bit of mud in your face maybe a little salt in your wound a little bit and says this is what you need to do or makes clear what you need to do but then you're like well I just thought you were going to take care of it and then nothing ever came about it right but here we see this man that was maybe and again maybe he was, he was humiliated I don't know maybe he was going along with it <laughs> Yeah, rub mud in my face Okay, whatever I'm going to go we, we don't know that, but what we know is that, that, that Jesus didn't have to do anything, but he chose to do this, and he chose to, to give responsibility to this man. I, I, I love how the story continues on, and, and I don't want to spend a ton of time here, but um, it continues on that after this first scene takes place, like the miracle has taken place. The, 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 the physical miracle of, of him regaining his sight takes place in the first seven verses. But these next verses are very, very important as well. Let's look at this. Verse 8. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, "Well, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go wash or go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, well, where is he? <laughs> Which is kind of cruel, right? You're asking the blind man where Jesus is. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't see. He told me to go and I did what he told me and i when my eyes were open, he was gone. I don't know where he's at. But I love this interaction that takes place because the people around them didn't believe what just took place. How many times are we guilty, and I don't want to say the opposite, but how many times are we guilty of God seeing or believing that God is working in someone else's life? What we try to do is we try to logically reason whatever happens away. I was talking to a guy at the gym this week, and I told him something that I, that I read, that uh, Christians are selectively supernatural. And he looks at me like, hmm, I never thought of that. I'm like, but just think about it. We try to, to, to uh, um, reason away the supernatural things of who God is and what has taken place, when if we read through Scripture, um, the supernatural is what lives inside of us. So if we're selectively supernatural, what are we doing? Well, the Bible says we're quenching the spirit. We won't go into all that. But what, what I, I think it's important is that, that, that when the work of God is being done, we need to see it for the work of God. I, I'm not, I, 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 I have experienced way too many times that we give something bad happening, we give credit to the devil when that happens, but when something good happens, we're, we have a, 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 a propensity, a tendency just to say, man, look what I've done. Instead of saying, well, look what God has done. In this story here, the, the, the people that were closest to him, most of them were like, yeah, but uh, this, this, can't, this can't really be. But then they asked him, well, what happened? And I love his response. He said, the man called Jesus. Up until this point, and as we'll see, like, he didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't seek out Jesus. Jesus sought him out. So he's like, the man called Jesus, he, he made, made mud pies and he flung him in my face and then he said, go wash it off. I didn't know if I should punch him in the, in the nose or if I should go do what he told me to do. I decided since I can't see him, I better you know, try not to swing, just keep, continue. I'm not being mean towards blind people either. I better just go do, go do what he tells me to do. When I did what he told me to do, I'm standing here in front of you. I can't explain it. I can just show it sometimes that's the the the, the attitude in which we need to have that's not checking our 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 thoughts and and our brains at the door and saying well we just got to follow god blindly no we can think he wants us to think he wants us to be able to use that in which he's given us but there are things that that happen in our lives that we're not going to be able to explain and just because you can't explain it doesn't mean that it isn't real This is a moment here. It's like, the guy's like, I, I, don't, I, I can't explain it. I'll tell you what happened. I'll give you evidence. And then this is what, this is, the, you're, you're looking at me. I'm looking at you. Here's looking at you, kid, right? So the next scene. So we, there's two scenes. Scene three here, verse 13. They, because, because they're so dumb, it says, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind, Another element comes in here. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how, had he, how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud in my eyes and I washed and I see. You know, there's probably got to be some like sarcasm or some like angst in his voice. Like how many times, look, you want me to just write this out so I can just hold it up next time? Look at my Twitter post. I put it on there, right? I mean, it, it's there. It's, it's less than 140 characters, so, so we're good. Some of the Pharisees said, Well, this is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? Other than Shazam, right? He said he is a prophet. So when brought to the religious people, now understand, the, the religious people here, these are the Pharisees, they believed in the supernatural. They believed in the resurrection from the dead. They believed that God worked, but then when God worked right in front of their eyes, they said, well, this can't be of God because he did it on the wrong day of the week, right? Now, if this was Tuesday, we'd, maybe we'd give it some credence here, but it's Saturday and it's the Sabbath. Sabbath. And we know that God does not work on the Sabbath. Well, how does that work? Well, when Jesus spit and then he bent down, he kneaded, not N-E-E-D-E-D, but K-N-E-A-D-E-D. He kneaded, like you knead dough, Needed the mud or the dirt and the saliva together to make mud. Well, that's considered work. Well, then he told this guy to walk to the pool of Siloam, which is considered work. Then he told him to wash, which is considered work. So what they're saying is like, well, no, God would never do that. We find out later on in the Gospels here that Jesus says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. So this whole, you've made these laws that aren't my laws. Are we to rest? Absolutely, we're to rest on the Sabbath. But if your donkey falls in a hole, you're not going to get him out? If your car gets a flat tire coming to church, you're not going to fix it. Like, I mean, it just doesn't. It doesn't make. It doesn't make sense. And this is this is where they were. They were just holding so tight to their law, saying that no, God can't work in this way. And and, and in this in this this part of the this section, or the, the, this the scene here, I think that that we can have a tendency to fall into that 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 Pharisee mode, and try to put God in a box, like. God has to work like this on this day between the hours of 8 and 5. And if it's outside of that, it's not God. Instead of just taking the evidence that it's around and saying, wow. The Pharisees like, nope, can't be. Not only that, they went one, one step further here. It says the Jews did not believe. So the Jews, meaning the religious People. So they would been a uh, consisted of the, the uh, of the Pharisees here. Next scene is it says the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until he called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them. So they're not they're like, wait a like he's just faking it. He could really see, but I mean now he's just kind of doing this like illusion type thing. And it says that they, they brought the, the parents here and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? how then does he see? And how then does he now see? His parents answered, "Um, well, we know that this is our son, but if you want him, you can have him. (laughs) Some of you are thinking that, right? No, it says that we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. So I love how very logical this seems. Like, yep, our son, born blind. Absolutely, check, check. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Um, ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. They, they kind of like sidestep, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back out of this. Well, why, why did they, they back out of this? Well, it says here that his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. It wasn't like it is today. Like if you get, um, you don't like what I say or somebody (coughs) offends you in the church, you just go down the street to another church. I mean, that's not the mentality here. They're talking about the synagogue. They're talking about being in a family and they're saying this is how their life was. And they're saying that, that they didn't want to jeopardize their living of their life here. So what they're going to say is, nope, you got to ask him. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So I, I love this. Again, it progresses into the, the scene where now the Pharisees can't get this guy to say anything other than, yeah, "I can see now." Who's like, "Well, let's go to somebody else. Let's go to his parents. There we go. It's a good idea." And his parents are like, I, "I don't. I don't know. Yes, that's our son. Yes, he was born blind. How he sees beyond me." So what do they do? They continue. Verse twenty-four. For the second time. They called the man who had been born or had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. Come on, who would not want to be in that room when that's going on? Like, do you not you guys not get this? Like, I couldn't see, I can see. I couldn't see, I can see. I couldn't see, I can see, right? See? I, I, I can tell you Put an eye chart up. I'll tell you where the big E is, right? I can see now. I don't know. I mean, you, you guys call him whatever you want to call him. I just am going to say, I see. He said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already. And you won't listen to me. Well, okay. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciple? <laughs> I love it. Feisty guy, right? Yeah. He's like, okay, I'll play your game. So you don't believe that my eyes are, right, you guys are religious guys. Well, I'm, I'm going to just throw this back in your face. I'm going to show how blind you are in this, in this sense. And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. I chuckle in the sense that those words, we know that God has spoken to Moses. But what they're not understanding, that Jesus is the word of God. So the words that were spoken, he is the incarnate word. Uh, That's a whole sermon in itself here. It's funny. And it says, verse 30, the man answered, why? Again, remember, he's feisty. This is an amazing thing. Hmm. You do not know where, these, where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. Fancy that. <laughs> right. Hmm. Then he says, well, we know that God does not listen to sinners. So he goes and he, he says, okay, fine. You're, you're talking that you don't want to believe the physical that's taking place. I'm going to start talking about what you guys always talk about, it's the spiritual stuff. So um, you, you, you know, or it says here that we know that God does not listen to sinners. He's throwing it back in their, in his, in their face here saying, okay, fine, I'll play your game. Well, the Bible says multiple times that, that God does not listen to sinners, well, now, before I go any further than that, some of you are like, wait a second, aren't we all sinners so God doesn't listen to us? No, he's being very clear, and he's using this as a, as a direct object. He's using this, the sinners meaning those who rebel against God. We all rebel in some way, but these are those who are, um, that, that are actively saying, I am not of God. I am not a child of God, Okay. So he's saying that those who are, are, are actively rebelling against God, that, that, that are not identifying, that's a better word, identifying as children of God, or and identifying with God, he says here, and he's quoting Scripture, that God does not listen to them. But he doesn't leave it there. And I love this because it says, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Now, on a side note, I look at this, and I think this is profound, because there's a lot of people that I know that talk about, and they're not Christians, that they talk about, why pray to God all the time? And well, Here's the deal, though. The Bible is very clear to say that God does not hear the prayers of sinners, of the wicked. is what it says in Psalms. Now, that doesn't mean that he does not hear them because he cannot hear them. He chooses not to hear them unless it's a a prayer of repentance and coming to saving faith and knowledge of him. Why is that? Because there's, hear me when I say this, because we're special. Not not, not, not just in a, yeah, you're special, right, Lee? No, we're we're, we're children of, of, of God. And when I say, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are children of God, and he's a loving father who wants to hear from his children. And and I love here, it says that, but if anyone is a worshiper of God, now a worshiper of God is not one who just stands up and sings, but one whose life is controlled by and focused on giving value and worth to God in everything in which they do. It says one who is a worshiper of God, but he doesn't stop there. He says, this little conjunction, and does his will. There's obedience. Remember, when, when, when Jesus put the, the mud on the guy's face, he said, go do this. In the same sense, we can't just say, I'm living for God, I'm living for God, I'm trusting God, I'm trusting God. Well, he says to do this. Well, I don't have to do that. I just, I'm trusting him. The greatest show of, of, of trust and faith in God, the greatest show is obedience to him. He makes that clear time and time and time and time again. And this is what he's highlighting here, that we know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. And he goes on, never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. Never before, he's saying, has this ever happened. Find somewhere in the Old Testament where a man born blind was given sight you're not going to find it verse 33 if this man were not from god he could do nothing they answered him well you were born in utter sin and would you teach us and they kicked him out so so you see how they reacted to all of this like he he got up in their, he got up in their mug right in their face and what do they call it in their grill right he just—he he, just—he just—he just caught a touchdown pass and score. He scored and he went up into the defender's face, going, "Ha!" Right? What you gonna do about it? Right? Too much college football yesterday. Sorry. <laughs> it was a stressful day at halftime last. I, I went to bed at halftime last night of the Buckeyes game. I, I know that they won, but they weren't looking real good. But anywho, sorry. So he answered them, or they answered him. I should say, well, well, here's the deal. You, 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 you were just born in utter sin. We don't even have to pay attention. Like They just totally dismissed what he had to say. And they, they actually did him a favor. Since they kicked him out, they cast him out. I can see in my mind, and maybe this is just me, but I can see in my mind, like, thank God. I didn't think they were ever going to let me go. Now I could go see my mom and I can go see my dad and I can go see my brothers and sisters I've never seen before. How about I could go to the temple? I've never even seen that. I can go, I mean, he, I, so, so by them kicking him out, by him being cast out of all the religious activity, he was able to go enjoy what it is that God had just done for him. I think too often what we do is we get bogged down with the, the religiosity and, and forget about the relationship in which we have with the one who sits above. And I, I love how this, this ends up in the final scene here. It says that Jesus heard that they cast, had cast him out. And they having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe? So, so let that sink in for a second. Like, Up to this point, dude did not know who Jesus was. All he knew was what Jesus did. And because he knew what Jesus did, what was his response? He told his testimony all over the place. When asked, he said, I I, I don't know. I I just know what he's done to me. I don't know who he is. And it's very clear here that that when when Jesus approaches him and asks him, do you know or do you believe in the Son of Man? And with Jesus asking him this question, this is for you you, end times geeks here, this is referring to Daniel chapter seven when the son of man is identified by the ancient of days and is given power and dominion and authority and his kingdom will never end, talking about Jesus. So Jesus here is clearly making a reference to the book of Daniel here and saying, I am, I'm the one. I am the Son of Man. I'm, I'm, I'm the, the, the guy. The one that, that, that they're trying to wait for. The one that the Pharisees are going through all this hoopla for. and That's me. He says it right here. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is I who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees that were lingering around there heard him say these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, that you say we see, your guilt remains. Religion is not what we, we need. It's that relationship with the Lord in which we need. And we see in this story here that that, that God comes into our lives even when we don't understand why we're in the circumstances. We don't know why God has, remember last week we talked about like like God caused it to happen or maybe God allowed it to happen, one of the two. We don't know why that is. And we're like, well, God doesn't love me anymore. No, what we have to understand is if we're doing the, 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 the will of the Father, if we're, we're worshiping God and we're doing His will, He's going to show His work through us. And why is He going to show His work through us? So other people can see. It's getting this mindset that God has a plan that's greater than just you. It includes you. It includes me. But His plan is huge. But what we have to understand and what we have to accept is we're part of that plan god made a choice to use each and every single one of us for a specific reason and when we don't see that and we act like god doesn't exist and we don't reclaim his majesty and see where he is sitting on the throne what we're doing is we're saying my way is better than your way i know i got a pea brain but i know what's best for me no no we don't what we got to do is we got to submit to the will of god The will that he has is a restoring, redeeming will. That he wants to spend eternity with us. He desires that. And he's willing to do whatever it takes to get us to that. Even if it takes a tragedy or something in our lives. He gets our attention and he says, okay, now that I've got your attention, you're right exactly where I want you to be. And you being right where I want you to be, this is what we're going to do about it. Let's pray. Before I pray, I want to. I want to. Uh, I, I, wanna, I know that you, you guys, everybody knows that the, the elders come up here and we open this up for, for time of, of, of prayer. If you want to be prayed with, um, I want to encourage you that if there's something that that you you're dealing with that. You need mud rubbed in your face, for lack of better words. That you can understand that, that, that you can't make your own mud. You need help with that. The, the, these guys, myself, those are up here. We have no special power, we have no special words. What we have is, is, a, is, a, is a special office, and that's the office of, of shepherd and of pastor, where we, we come in and we say, I don't know the answer but I want to walk with you through it. Let's let's figure this out together. So whatever it is, whatever you're you're, you're wrestling with, whatever you're dealing with, um, you you need to know that this this didn't take God by by surprise. And he's here to, maybe you need to rub your, your face in the dirt. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I know there's been times I need my face to be rubbed in the in the dirt because I just did some stupid things. But knowing that that's not the end, me rubbing my face in the dirt because he says go wash and I'm gonna wash and then he's got this. Maybe it's that. Whatever it may be, maybe you have a praise report. You want to come up and, and share with us uh, something that, that's just awesome thing things going on. Awesome, let's do it. But what I'm what I'm I don't I, want I don't want to sound harsh, but really what I'm sick of is us being selectively supernatural. Like, we'll, we'll claim Jesus and we'll say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but our lives aren't, aren't backing that up. And if we're not going to act like we love him here and that we trust him here, how are you going to do it on the outside? Let this just be like a little microcosm of what's going to happen in our lives this week and in this, this month and this year and, and from here on out. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you. Uh, Lord, we ask that uh, as we've uh, spent some time in your word, uh, you, you, you say that, that this, it, it discerns the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. Um, God, I, I, I pray that, that that which is being stirred up in our hearts, those things in which we need to deal with, things that we don't, maybe we don't even understand how to deal with them, but we can, what we can do is we can present them to you, and then we can say, hey, I'm, I'm going to trust you. Through this, I'm going to be obedient. I want to. I'm going to dive into your Word and see what your Word says about this, and then I'm going to act accordingly. God, I know that's scary for us. I mean, there's people in here that, that know that they need to do this, that, or the other, and, and it's just scary. But God, let us not um, live in a, in a a a, a, a a a reaction in a life of fear, but in a spirit of love and power and self control. So God, we we want to give you all the glory. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that, it, I mean, as corny as it sounds, if there's someone on the, the Facebook Live that's watching right now, that, that there's like, man, I wish I could be there. Uh, Lord, um, I pray that you comfort them and give them the, the, the courage and the ability to reach out to somebody they know, or reach out to us or whatever, but be able to say, I, I, I need help. I need to be sent to the pool to wash, I need to be obedient. I help to do that. So, God, I want to give everything to you. And, Lord, as we uh, open this time up for prayer, um, uh, encourage hearts to pray. Encourage them to to, to uh, step out in boldness to say, "I don't know what I don't even know what I need to pray." I just th- th- there's something going on. Well, you say that that, that your Spirit will, will will use words in those moments that maybe we don't even understand or, or we can't we can't express. Maybe it's just someone needs to come and cry. It's okay. You know what's in the heart. God, let us focus on you. Let us press into you. Let us rely on you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.